Get ready for chills and thrills at Hometown Haunts and Hops Horror Convention here in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Join us for a spine-tingling day of horror-filled fun on October 28th at the Mayflower Brewing Company. Meet horror actor Matthew G. Taylor from Resident Evil and dive into a macabre world of cinema and literature. Sip on chilling brews, indulge in ghastly treats, and immerse yourself in a haunted atmosphere. Whether you're a horror buff or just seeking an unforgettable experience, Hometown Haunts and Hops has it all. Don't miss out on the eerie excitement. Secure your tickets now by heading on over to inebriart.com. Go to our events calendar, and in October you will find the link for Hometown Haunts and Hops, which is sponsored by HalloweenNewEngland.com. HalloweenNewEngland.com is the website for the truly Halloween-obsessed with the most extensive guides to New England haunted houses, ghost tours, classic horror film screenings, jack-o'-lantern festivals, haunted hayrides, and more. They've got all the thrills covered throughout September and October with over 2,500 Halloween events on their events calendar and hundreds of local Halloween attractions. It's the only place you'll find everything from haunted history tours and costume contests to which haunts are open on Thursday nights. HalloweenNewEngland.com has your Halloween covered and is sponsoring Hometown Haunts and Hops this year. Welcome back, Inebriites. Uh, I feel like it's been a while since we've had a returning person on the show. Woohoo! I think. I can't remember. We've been doing so many lately. But um, Courtney Gaines is back. Welcome back to the show, man. What's up? Let's see, about two years, I'm guessing, right? Because I think yeah. when I put out my uh, Acoustic Gaines record, which was 2021. Yeah. So, so here we are putting out another record. Here we are hyping up. But, uh, uh, safe as we started, right? though, I got a co- I got a comment on the beard. Like we started, right? <laughs> you, 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 you you're outdoing my beard here, man. Look at that thing. Your yours looks a little more um, trimmed. I, I'm going more with the complete lack of effort look. I think that's just so. more years of letting it grow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now I started growing this thing during the pandemic, and it's had to get cut a couple times. But I knew if I grew a beard, grew a beard like this, you know, proud boy role type thing would show up, and sure enough, the wrath of Becky. There I was. I don't know if you've seen that, but uh, no. Oh, it's a, so Wrath of Becky is a sequel to a movie Becky that came out in 2020, and it came out this year. And it's it's done pretty well. It's good. It's a good flick, but um, it's uh this it's Lulu Wilson, uh, her character. First time she runs into a bunch of skinheads. This time she runs into a bunch of proud boy types. Yeah, and takes them all out. She's a natural born killer, and uh, I even play banjo in that thing. They say, "Can you play banjo?" I said, "I don't know. Give it to me. I'll see if I can figure it out." <laughs> and the song's just ridiculously over the top. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was, but I just knew that kind of role was going to come if I grow the beard and it will come. And, uh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> like I was telling you before, like I, I constantly get people be like, oh, you must work at a brewery. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. Either um, that or just starting the next ZZ top together. Let's go. Yeah. We could do that. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. I think I started mine right before COVID. 
but like I kept, you know, I kept it trimmed and groomed because I had like a desk job. And then when COVID hit, I'm like, why am I wasting my time? And I like how it's very uniform though. It goes from like the brown right into the gray. And just yeah, keeps going. I don't know like, if I like the gray part. <laughs> oh, I think it looks good. I think it looks good. I mean, mine yeah. is honestly turning all gray. I have to color it in a little bit now and stuff, you know, and this and that for gigs. And but um, but I kind of like it. So it's like, but it's like very like demarcated. Like it's brown and then it goes yep. right to gray. And then it goes to gray. And people are like, "Oh, are you going for the Santa Claus?" <laughs> It'll all be gray soon enough, my friend. Just oh, give it I time. know. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's still got plenty of hair on top, so I mean, I'll take gray. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. wish I could say I had more hair on top too, but my yeah. hair's getting long. You can't really see it there, but look at this. Whoa. Oh yeah, there you go. We're yeah, rocking now. My best friend from high school is completely bald, so I love to throw it in his face anytime I can. You know. Nice, nice. So. But uh, <laughs> the new album, Safe Haven, um, yeah. uh, due out October second. Correct. And uh, so tell us about the album. How does it differ from the last one? Yeah. So that's a good question. So I, I would go two albums back. So like the Ripple Street, my band Ripple Street, that record in 2009, that was very much a breakup record, you know, and about me and stuff. And the acoustic record was definitely more personal stuff as well. I'd mm -hmm. say this is much more uh, a commentary record. This is about stuff that I just find ridiculous. Like uh, the healer is told from the point of view of a narcissistic uh, plastic surgeon convincing someone that, you know, what they, what he can do for them. Yeah. Uh, Bills in space is about the billionaire space race, which I do feel is ridiculous. I feel that like, uh, I like if these billionaires put their brains together and like solve something like homelessness and feeding the world or something instead, you know, that's just me. Uh, well, there's no profit in that, Courtney. <laughs> bingo! Yeah, bingo! Yeah. But, like, how much more profit do these dudes need? Well, I know. Yeah. That's my point. Um, and, and yeah, and Safe Haven, which is the title track, is kind of a double entendre about safe. For me, music is my safe, one of my safe havens. Mm -hmm. And two, that we all need a place to be able to go and, you know, go home. You know, like, when, when we're out there in the work world and we deal with people all day, we need that space. And, you know, there's there's people who don't have that. You know, they don't have a safe space. They don't have a safe haven. And again, you know, these dudes, I, I feel like these, these guys are geniuses. They wouldn't be billionaires if they weren't freaking geniuses. You know, it'd be nice if they figured it out, you know. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, I just, you know, these are just, these are just subjects that matter to me and that I find, like I said, a little bit absurd. And I thought this, this was the record. So, I put I put these these songs together that I thought said the things I wanted to say in that regard. So in regards to safe haven, you said, you know, people don't have a, a safe place to go home to. Are you meaning specifically people who are unhoused? Or are you talking about people that may be in an abusive relationship? It could be or, all of those things. It's absolutely yeah. it's absolutely the unhoused. And yeah, I, I call it homelessness still. Maybe I'm old school. But, you know, I, I had a friend, Delia Javier, who was a who was a a wonderful set dresser and was prima ballerina the Dallas Filipino dance company at one point she started a feeding program uh 20 years ago down in Skid Row that was like really the first one to do it that was not trying to get them into a soup kitchen to convert them to something or make them hear a religious sermon to go with it and it made a huge impact on people because she didn't come to get anything from them but to serve and but having done that program and it's still going on without her and I applaud everyone who's still involved I'm no longer in LA but we watch it just get worse and worse, you know, yeah. and, and to the point now where it's families and it's kids 
And, you know, what I say about that is that California is the fifth richest place on the planet, not the fifth richest state. Not yep. the fifth, yeah, the, and to have homelessness is, is ridiculous. And, it, and it's only because of what you just said that the politician part of it has no will to do it. Why? Because there's no power for them to gain and there's no money for them to make. But right. could it be done? You know it could be done. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I've read articles that said that the um, houses that are empty, there's more than enough to put people in houses. Sure. And I mean, this doesn't even have to be houses. You could build yeah. apartments. You apartments build. or whatnot. Yeah. In Savannah, you know, it's the homelessness level is not nearly on the level, obviously, of a, of a Los Angeles. But, you know, there's been efforts and like there's they, they've made these tiny houses and things mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, and and I've seen I've seen I, you know, something that a subject that, that, that I know a little bit about and care care a little bit about. I'm not saying I've made a huge personal impact other than going down to help feed people. But um, when people can get off the street, now they're starting to realize it used to be like, well, you got to get sober. You got to get this. You got to get that. They're starting to realize like that may or may not happen. So now they're just starting to give people the home, the homes. And they're saying that once they get over the trauma of being on the street and have some stability. Then they're actually able to start thinking about what I like to get sober or what I not, what I like to get a job or what I not. They first have to get out of the insanity for a while and get stabilized. And now that's starting to happen and starting to work. But like in, in Los Angeles, you know, there was a bunch of, I remember, you know, voting for funds being allocated for homelessness. And what they ended up doing was just taking all that money and giving it to all these developers to come up with plans to build homelessness stuff. And, and the prices per unit were ridiculous and mm -hmm. nothing really ever got done over a few years. Basically, just these concept developers, they gave them all the money, which means, you know, damn well, that those guys were getting back in pay from those guys. Right. So they took that money that we paid in taxes and did absolutely nothing with it. And it, it, it sucks. And you brought up a really great point. And uh, I remember Adam Conover has made the point as well is you get so many politicians and and people that are like well you know you have to be sober first and he's like you don't if you have money you don't have to be sober to get a mortgage you don't have to be sober so why are you expecting more from people who are down on their luck you know interesting and point of view and it's so true because it's just yeah. like and you brought up a good point is is like it's it's got to be harder to get clean when you are so low like when you're living on the street or yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big reason why they're, 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 you know, getting high at that point. Right. Now, you know, now that being said though, I mean, I'll throw a flip side concept. I think that like people that suffer from schizophrenia, for example, though, I think should be required by law to take meds because, because they're, oh, sure. they're a danger to society, yep. but they're not. So you're like, yeah. you're, so you're having someone who, who, who's schizophrenic or, or has bipolar, who gets these incredible highs and lows and the, the highs make them feel like I'm, you know, omnipotent. Mm -hmm. Why are they going to not want to keep doing that? They're like, that's awesome. This normal life thing sucks. Yeah. But the problem is there that because they hallucinate, they're a danger to society. I feel like that's, I feel like by law, they should have to take their meds because it can harm others. Comes down to are you harming others? You know what I mean? In, in my yeah. So, so the flip side is that, like, I think there's some responsibility that should be required from certain people too, you know? And it's, I, it's, so it's starting to affect around here, um, very specifically Cape Cod. Cape Cod is very well to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel it's like a very fine line. You're either well to do or you're pretty lower income, but <laughs> now it's getting to the point where the lower income people can't live out there. 
Yeah. And and the people who are well off are like, well, there's no one to work at the gas station. There's no one to clean the hotel rooms that, you know, well, this, 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 the pandemic brought all this up, yeah. right? Because, oh, absolutely. And, and to circle it back to the music, that's, you know, I think what happened was in 2020, people had a lot more time on their hands to start thinking about what am I doing and what do I want to be doing? And life is short. And that's really what started to drive me musically. Mm-hmm. I, I asked those same questions and I said, you know, the, what came up was I really want to, I have a bunch of material I've been writing for years that I've been talking about putting out that I really actually just want to put out. And then I was able to do more research and see that you could buy stuff now and make home studios at an affordable price where you could actually do some tracking. So it wasn't killing you in the studio all the time and the pressure of the, by the hour of the studio, except for the guitar, except for the drums we had to track in the studio, um, that it started to become more doable and more possible. And, and, and then it started to happen. But yeah, it's like people started going like, you know, why am I pumping gas here for minimum wage or whatever? It's gotten to that point where people are like don't want to work if they don't see enough of a benefit to work. Yeah. There, probably was, there probably was a time where the gas station attendant in the 50s or whatever, 60s maybe even, still made enough money that they had pride in their job. Right. And we're willing to do it, but now the, the because the cost of housing is 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 gotten so insane. I mean, cost of cost of housing. I'm sure what you're talking about is also L.A., New York, and stuff. Yep. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous for what you can get. That's why in 2018 I moved to the Southeast. I moved to Savannah, something I could afford, something I could. I have an actor pension now. You know, I live within my means, and it allows me to do the things creatively I want to do. I can now take jobs or not take jobs. I don't. Have to, it's not so much about the rent, and it's free me up artistically but i'm willing to live within my means and some people aren't very good at that either you know but that's uh, true yeah but the means are getting getting worse and worse and you know now a lot of corporations are starting to buy housing i mean in savannah downtown savannah and i'm not saying it's all corporations but some of it is but downtown savannah is just a beautiful historic district one of the most beautiful in the country I would say at least half, maybe more, are Airbnbs. Airbnbs, yeah, we're running I, I, the same I only thing. know one. I only know one person who actually lives in downtown Savannah. Yeah, everybody, yeah. Other, everybody else lives in the suburbs, including me, because it, people can't afford it. Yeah, it hasn't gotten that bad here yet, but um, there are more. They're always building. The thing that drives me crazy is every every apartment or condo complex they build luxury apartments. I'm like, build worker apartments. Yeah, no, nobody's building affordable housing. That's yeah. that's exactly the problem because they're not. Again, there's no money in that. They're interested in building the, the nicest properties they can make to get the most rents they can make. And and like I said, now corporations are starting to actually buy houses. Yeah, and that's and I actually think at some point, I, th- I think at some point, you know, and I know people don't like the federal government intervening. That's a whole conversation, but I think in some way they are going to have to intervene because it's going to make housing so ridiculous that there's going to be, you know, there's certainly a correlation between the higher you keep raising rents, the more people end up on the streets. I mean, it's right. just, it's just a no brainer. You're going to have to create some affordable housing, you know, and if, or make sure these guys can only raise their prices to such a degree because it's, it's just getting out of reach for a lot of the population and, and certainly the older population, which again is a really sad comment on this country that we're not taking care, you know, of our elderly. That's just, you yeah. know, again, in a rich country like this, that's just bullshit. Man. And, and on the flip side, you know, everyone like, pokes fun at millennials or gen z for not moving out like they can't afford it like correct or if if their parents have a really nice house they just don't want to 
live in a in a in a an apartment or in something. a dump. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and which I also think is a trap. That sometimes sometimes a uh, you know a successful family or successful parent will create a lazy kid, you know, because they mm-hmm. don't have to. They look around, they say, "Wow, we got it good here. I'll just you know I'll stay in the garage house, but I still got a pool and I don't have to work." And you yeah. Know, but, but I think it's also the concept of looking for fulfilling work. I think it's also entitlement, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a little bit more of an entitlement thing going on. And, you know, they want some, they want to have it all. They want to be able to have a nice situation and 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 not work 60 hours a week, you know? Um, you know, it's my, my son, is he's, he's 30 now, and he's an occupational therapist making pretty good money. And he, you know, he has conversations about, I'm not going to be able to afford to buy a house. I don't think, I don't think that's totally true. But it seems to him still a bit out of reach. And I'm just like, keep socking that money away for a while. Not nobody, you know, he just turned, he's only been in the workplace a few years. I'm like, it takes a while for you to build that nest. You yep. can put that down in a house. Mm-hmm. Nobody in their 20s buys a freaking house, dude. It's like, you know, put <laughs> yeah. your time in, you'll get there. And, you know, uh, but the pressure they feel seems to be very real, you know, that they don't feel like they're going to get there. They're not, they don't feel like they're going to get the American dream, which, which, changes your equation of, of work greatly you know because what do you why are you working what's the end of the rainbow yeah you know? i mean i mean i i was reading an article and it said that um the way to advance most in pay is to change jo- change jobs i think it was every four to five years yikes and it was i i had a crappy retail job and i i changed jobs to you know honestly to take care of myself um, and within a year of working in the new location, the raises I got there would have taken me like almost five years at the other place. And then it's just oh, wow. like, it, it is really the only way to like really move up and pay is to kind of, you know, bounce around because it, especially in corporate businesses, they're, they're not set up to kind of like move you up the chain like they used to in the past and, and set you right. up to take care of you. Right. Yeah. I've seen some studies using that most people are going to have at least four jobs in their lifetime now. Like that's the, whereas people used to obviously just work one good job and get their gold watch at the end and say, you know, adios. So that's, yeah. so, it, and then of course now the whole gig uh, economy and, and, you know, that leads us to the conversation of the strike. If you want to talk about the strike. At yeah. All. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I'm glad I have uh, an actor on. Cause I think you're the first actor I've had. Actually, I know you are. Because when the strike first broke, I called up my editor and I'm like, do we have any actors line up? Because I didn't know what the policies were. So I'm right. like, I didn't want to put something out that had been pre-recorded that was going to get me in trouble. But um, yeah, so how is it affecting you? I mean, are you able, because I know there's some jobs that people are still able to do, but. You can do independent productions, which a lot of what I do is that anyway. I'm yeah. not. I I, I I don't get studio films all that often at this point. It's it's those are the hardest ones to get, but I don't think there is studio films almost anymore. Studio films nowadays are you know they talk about intellectual properties, right? IPs. Basically, they're not going with anything less than a sure thing. Right. You know, like Warner Brothers will put out Batman or Superman because yep. like they they're huge, you know. But they don't really make movies anymore. Mainly. It's uh, middle major companies that make the movies now. Then if they meet the requirements that the studios want, a certain level of budget, certain level of star attachment, then they distribute the movie for them. So they have very little skin in the game. 
And and therefore, it's it, that's why you sort of see what you see out there now, and you see why it's usually a family film oriented stuff. And you don't see much, you know, much much risk or much art, you know, um, anymore. At least at least in terms of theatrical releases. Yeah. And and I've been seeing this trend happening for a while. And I had a I had a podcast briefly called the Outlander Hour, where I was this is what I wanted to talk about, and I would get people on whether they were wardrobe artists or they were, and then they wouldn't want to talk about it. I get them on there. I said, like, so you're working like 20 hours a, a day right now on this series, right? And everybody's sick. I interviewed because ah, they don't want to get fired, you know? Yeah. And, and actors didn't want to talk about how bad their residuals were. And, and and I was sort of disappointed. Nobody wanted to take the risk. I was willing to take the risk. I didn't really, I didn't really care. Yeah. Um, at, at that stage of my life and stage of my career, I, I thought it was worth talking about. So I saw this all coming for years. And that's why in 2018, I that's when I made my move to get out of LA. Cause I could just, I saw two things happening. One that how the industry was going, how residual income was going down. But I also saw at my age range, you know, I got 50 year old pasty white boys was not the hot, hot market. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get a call from magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but even did, but just, it was, things were becoming more ethnic and that's a yeah. good thing. And you've seen that trend, you know, over, but, but seriously, all the actors I know that in my age range and my ethnicity, over the last, I've been here now five years, just a silch happened for them in LA. So nothing was happening, but yet they were still paying those exorbitant rents or exorbitant house prices. Yeah. So I feel like I made the right move at the right time. And I, I'm glad I did. It's been good for me to get out of LA anyway, just in general traffic, but everything that reminds you of the industry and your successes and your failures. Now I'm just, I'm just, I'm removed from all that. So it's been, it's been great. But I saw the writing on the wall for a long time, but it's still emotional for me now that it's actually happening because now everybody's starting to tell the stories that I've known have been true for a long time, uh, the struggles, because residual income for for an actor of you know, my caliber is like the difference between able to be a working actor or not being a working actor. Yeah. And so they eliminate this, which they pretty much have already to, to varying degrees. I think the supporting actor uh, talent pool is going to go way down. I think, I think there's going to be people that just can't make either. They're going to be willing to have a side hustle and keep their acting career going because they just want to work and they want to be seen. But I think there's going to be, you know, some of the better and more intelligent people are going to be like this. There's no living in this anymore. I'm going to go do something else. I really yeah. did. You know, and it's like you, the canary in the coal mine was the, the streaming music services, you know? Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what I talk, I've been talking about this. And this is exactly, I said, that's the, that's the perfect example. Back in the 60s and 70s, you had some of the greatest minds in the music business because it was fun and you could make bucks at it and be a rock star. Mm -hmm. and, and and you saw the talent and the, in the, in the level of music that, that came out. Now it's not that. And I think the talent pool is probably lessened. By yeah. a greater extent. Now, if you were to say, where are the where are the great minds? The great minds are in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Because that's where the creativity and the money and the power is. And I think, and now they have now affected just like they just like they killed the music industry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they are now killing the film industry with because every everything like digital seems to do that. Um and and they don't care. Northern California doesn't care about the traditions of 
Southern California, you know, yeah. I don't think, and I don't think they quite understand or don't want to understand that uh, mid-sized actors, you know, need residual income to survive. I don't think that it really matters. So, and I've seen several things on YouTube, watched many different people talking about this subject, and I have not yet to hear one person have a workable solution. Yeah. Just like nobody came up with a workable solution in the music business. Yeah. The only way people in the music business make money now, from what I can understand, is touring mm-hmm. and merch and all that kind of stuff, right? And actors can't really do that. So I don't know. I think that I think it's going to be tough. And I feel really bad for this next generation because I just don't know how either you're going to have to be a star or you're going to be uh, an actor and have a gig economy hustle on the side. That's how it looks to me. I don't see a, I don't see a way out. Yeah. I mean, I even had um, Joey Santiago of the Pixies on the show. Mm. And he said that it got to the point where he was filling out an application to work at the post office. Yeah. And I mean, like the Pixies yeah. were a huge band. And like, yeah, and I was to say, yes, they were yeah. about the Pixies, man. Matter of fact, my, uh, the guy who fake Fang records where I'm putting this record out through a local Savannah, uh, uh, record, uh, independent record label, um, Jim Reed, the guy, he's a drummer in town as well. He's a big Pixies fan. See, so he, he, he put a gig together last year where he, they, the band did a whole big Pixies thing. So yeah, you know, so there are bands like that, that matter to people and, and, yeah. uh, and, and these guys are struggling to keep it going. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, Silicon Valley is, is, uh, you know, is on one hand created some great things on the other hand, it's, 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 uh, killed some things. So yeah. it's interesting. It's- Interesting dynamic, man. And I mean, the big topic is AI and it's one of those. It's such a slippery slope because people like myself who, you know, it's pretty much me and my business partner who's part time. You know, I use it to write emails to make my emails sound more professional and and to do things like that. I'm not I'm not going to be able to pay someone to do it, you know, to write emails for me. But the corporations who can pay people are the ones who are going to really exploit it and use it to kind of just increase their bottom line. People are going to lose jobs. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, um, It's, you know, how I feel about it from the acting point of view. Again, I saw this coming 20 years ago. You know what I mean? I knew it was going to eventually happen. It's just weird now that I'm here, you know, getting older and it's all here. Like I remember, I didn't watch out, you know, but, but it's, it's happening. But I remember there was that, there was a commercial with Fred Astaire dancing and, and like think John Wayne with it. And there's all these people. In it with, oh yeah. I remember with, that. And, and I remember thinking, here it comes, right? Here it comes. And I, there, there's no doubt it's going to happen. And, and, there, and, it's, and there's going to be uses for it to happen. Mm-hmm. I just think the most important thing, the only thing, I, I think the only thing the union can do is just make sure that if they're going to use, you know, someone's going to use my likeness, my voice, my likeness, my whatever that I get paid for. it, Right. If I can't be in it, but you're going to use that, at least you can do is pay my ass. That's that's how I feel about that. So, yeah. um, so that's you know that's that's that. But yeah, it's going to put a lot. I mean, writers. I think right. It's much more scary for the writers right now, which is why they're fighting so hard about yeah. it. Right now. Um, are they is are they even close? I, I saw something the other day that they came with an offer. I thought we were things. getting closer. They finally came back to them, started talking again, and they they did offer some things, but but the writers the writers uh, union does not seem to be satisfied, so they're still holding out for a little bit more. So yeah, I mean they you know they didn't talk to them for months, and they're doing the same thing to the actors now. Again, if you pivot back to the music business, 
what did the music business do? What did the major labels do when the when the market started to fall out? You know, being able to sell CDs that cost you a dollar for fifteen bucks—that was the golden goose. Yeah. Um, what did they do? They started buying catalogs. Like yeah. you know, Warner Brothers has a massive, massive catalog now, and how they make their money is through product, you know, through commercials, television shows movies and then like my son's generation that's how they, they they hear journey for the first time they go that's really good who are those dudes and then they go <laughs> find out about them and they buy some yeah. songs and it, you know so they actually do make some shekels that way too so it, it becomes a promotional tool but um that's what i think all these streaming services have been doing for a while i think they've if i could figure this out you know i'm sure they figured it out a while ago and that's why they were they were green lighting so many projects right they were they were just making tons of projects and i think they saw that this day was this this existential battle as they're saying was going to happen and i think they're like yeah okay well we got enough product for about six months here yeah um, and even it's like netflix has been investing a bunch of money in korean film and yeah, they've been. I mean, was it was Squid Games Korean like that? Yeah, I felt I like that so. kind of came that out. And I think that's yeah. what opened their mind to like, whoa, well, there's a whole film industry going on here. We could throw them some money for much less than an American films and make some really interesting content. Yeah, and and they're doing that now. And again, that's allowing them more to take their time with the American film market. And I think that they, you know, I think that they they're prepared for this. I think that they've, I think they're more prepared than we are. And uh, this could be a tough battle. This could be a tough battle. I think that you know, the U.S.'s dominance in almost everything is waning, and I think yeah. the U.S.'s dominance in, in the film market is is also starting to wane. And I, and I think with the technology, you know, you can make a dang film on your on your on your phone if you want to now. I think oh, sure. all yeah. over the world now are catching up to the ability to make good quality product. And I think it's, I think uh, there's, there's definitely a, a bit of a shift going on globally. Um, what can, you know, Joe six pack do to support. The only thing I think Joe six pack can do, I don't know that Joe six pack is going to be willing to do. And that is cut off your subscriptions and tell them, you know, this is what we want. When you bring it back, we'll, we'll, when you pay these actors, <laughs> you know, yeah. we'll come back. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's understandable on this, the flip side that Joe Sixpack doesn't have that much sympathy because they're looking at actors going, shit, you know, that they got it easy. Like, you know, and I get it. Like, I, you know, I don't lay roofs for a living, man. You know, yeah. I get it. Like, like there's people out there doing much tougher day to day jobs for much less, you know, and, and so why should they have complete sympathy? But, that would be the only the bullshit the money talks and bullshit walks. So if yeah. people aren't going to pull their subscriptions, that's nothing that you know Netflix needs to worry about. Then is do they? No, and I think most average people when they think of actors striking, they think of The Rock, and of you know. So I will say, yeah. uh, The Rock was the first guy to pony up. He put a million dollars. Oh in yeah, the he put a ton fund. of money. I saw that. I yeah. was really impressed. Uh, I got I had the chance to work with him once. Very nice guy. But I, I gotta say, I mean, I know he's made a lot of money. Don't get me wrong; he's made yeah. a lot of money. But still, a million dollars is a million freaking dollars. I don't care how many million dollars you got; that's yep. a lot of money. And I was, uh, I was uh, blown away and 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 proud and and to say I worked with the guy because and then because that then led to a few more doing it, and that's great because there's going to be actors in L.A. that are going to definitely start hitting the wall right about now. 
mm-hmm. uh, with their ability to pay their rents. And that's going to empower them to hang hang into this strike a bit longer. Uh, I, I was, I was, I was really impressed. That's all I can say. That guy yeah. put his money where his mouth was, you know? Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but yes, they think yeah, that, but they, they think, think, that, they think yeah. of the big rich stars, but that's why it, it was a misconception, you know, that people probably thought I was wealthier than I was, things like that. And now for the first time, because it's getting so tough that actors started finally admitting that their residual income was terrible. And then sometimes they're getting pennies. I get, I got uh, two recently that one was for one cent and one was for two cents. <laughs> and it cost more to print them and send yeah. them to me than it cost. It's like, it probably you know, cost you more to cash the check. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah. it's like, but people, I'm telling you, that was sort of a taboo. People were not talking about it for a long time. I was willing to, but, but now people are finally coming out and people are starting to finally say, that hey, we're struggling out here, and it's not that easy. And and, and when I started, uh, you, you got health insurance just uh, automatically. Yeah. And I took it for granted when I was young, and then I had a kid, and I started taking it less for granted. And then right around that time is when it started, like it kept going up, kept going up because health insurance kept going up. It got to yeah. the point where the union couldn't just pay it from your dues only. You had to, or you had to earn a certain amount so that your dues paid for it. And now it's up to uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's around, uh, I don't know, eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars. And and that I'll tell you when they did that. I remember they did that right during the pandemic, which I thought, wow, you know, that's yeah. a really cold time to do this. But they did. You know, the union did that, and I, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a bit of a low blow. But it, I would say, it cut. It, I would say, it cut people be having health insurance in the union by about fifty percent. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. that's a that's yeah. a drastic, that's a big hit. That's a drastic hit. And again, you know, the union you kept that on the down low and nobody said anything about it, but I thought it was pretty uncool. And, uh, you know, like I said, I got, but I am thankful I have a pension that is made and I was able to do it at an early enough age, which is pretty cool, but I can still work, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So I I really appreciate all those years. I was socking the money away and going, you know, through them and going like, what is this now? I'm just like, thank you. (laughs) You you took care of me. So I give the union credit there, but uh, yeah, they gutted, they gutted the health insurance program and now it's all coming out. And uh, you know, there's a lot of, I'm fortunate enough that, like I said, I make enough to do that, that if I have to, I haven't made my pension the last couple of years for the first time in my life, but I make enough to do that, that I'm able to actually, you know, do a health insurance program and I'm okay. But there's a lot of people who, I mean, you know, they're SOL, man. And there is no, like, like as we're having this conversation and I'm like, we talked about how, like we saw it happen with the music industry and now it's hitting the, the entertainment or the, the movies and TV. Um, You know, there was no musicians union. Right. So like if there's a musicians union that might have like that is the triggered, only, that yeah. is the main difference absolutely I mean there is a musicians union but it's not like that kind of union you know yeah where like if, if they're session dudes they get paid X and stuff like that but it's not yeah it's not but it's still even staggering when you think about it like how many what is, what was the the writers union is only like eleven thousand people or something and then their actors union wow. was one hundred sixty thousand even and you think about out of that one hundred sixty thousand. Only three percent probably really make a living, right? right? I would say, but still, even I'm like, wow, hundreds. Like that's a really small number when you think about. There's 300 million people in this country. Like it still is a very small portion of people that are doing this profession and trying to make a go at it. It's 
And it just shows you how difficult it is when you're thinking only maybe 3%. You know, the top 1% or top 0.5 are the ones who make the real dough, but the, but probably only, I'd say only about 3% make a living yeah. uh, is my estimation. And, uh, uh, you know, that's a tough racket, you know? that's oh, that you're talking, I, At that point, you're talking, you know, less than, you're talking 10,000 actors maybe actually, maybe less or whatever even even scrape a living out of this deal so I, I feel proud that i'm one of those people and that i've been lucky enough to do that for showing the corns coming up on 40 years next year that's just, crazy yeah. when you when you said that in, the, in when we were messaging back and forth i was just like oh my god i don't like that at all <laughs> yeah 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 you only like, mean one thing we're getting old <laughs> yeah no no that's not it no 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 yeah it blows yeah. my mind it definitely blows my mind that's so uh, and, and that's that's a good timing for this record because i'm definitely gonna be doing a lot of conventions next year it's, i'm calling it my swan song i think i'm gonna hang up the convention world after that at least i oh, maybe, really? maybe the 45th i'll revisit it and feel different but i look at it like i see these you know some of these older cats who they wheel in you know and uh prop oh, up some of them they yeah they can't even stand really up to take ones. a selfie uh, yeah. that don't that i'm not interested in that i'm mm. really not interested in that so I think this is, I've been doing it about 15 years. I think I've had my run, but I think going out, going off on the 40, going out on the 40th is a, is a cool way to do it. But also I can do some stuff with the music with that. Hopefully use some conventions with the music, but also uh, talking about doing some 35 millimeter print screenings of corn, which there's literally one or two prints left mm. in the world That'd and some cool. art houses where we'll do some Q and A's and do some music and do some VIP stuff. And that could be kind of cool. So link, pull, pull those, pull those elements together. So that we can continue to get the music out there too, and continue to be able to pay my band members and things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I I remember one of the first cons I went to when I was a kid. Uh, Buffalo Bob's was Buffalo Bob Smith from Howdy Doody, and oh, wow. Clarabelle were there, and it was they were so old and they were still in costume, and it was just yes, like I'm like. The- it's just sad. Like I felt that's really the first bad. thing I ever saw too. There was this thing, there's this hotel in LA called the Beverly Garland. And yeah, it was for all these, uh, all these older, uh, actors. And, and, and I remember going there and just really going like, Oh God, like, I hope that's, you know, that's not who I want to be. And so I was really anti convention for a long time. And then the horror convention thing kind of kicked off and I got approached and I said, I'll do one and see how it goes. Really, I, honestly, I was let. I didn't want to be in a room with a bunch of actors, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't so much about the fans; it was just yeah. about a bunch of actors talking about themselves. And um, but what I found out about the horror community thing was no one's too too big there that they can act like they're just completely hot shit, you know? Yeah. If they do, it looks kind of stupid, you know. So it's it's a bit of a blue collar thing, which really works for me. And I'm glad I've done it. It certainly helped me pay the bills at times, and it also gave me access to the, the, the community that I, you know, it was a lot of the, you know, a lot of the things I did were pre-internet. Obviously I had no idea the impact, like say the burbs had, I know. I mean, I had no idea there was oh. so many burbs fans. Like I, really I just love that movie. <laughs> you know, I just didn't know. And like yeah. when I first started, I just had like some pictures of corn. So I thought that's all anybody would want to see. And people were like, where's your burbs? Where's your words? Where's this? And then I started, you know, and then burbs is my number two seller, you know, and I get it now, but I had no idea because that movie wasn't a huge success in the box office. But, oh, not at all. Yeah, yeah. But through VOD and you know all of that, it just continued to grow an audience to the point where I mean, before VOD, before you know, it was like one of those uh, ones that HBO played like 
twice a day for like six months at a time. And there you go. So yeah. and, it, and it grew, it grew a fan base and it's, it's, it's pretty cool now, but I would have never known any of those things. had I not had a chance to meet the fans. So uh, I, I don't regret doing any of it. I'm just like, I'm just tired of getting on planes and going places and all that. But on that note, I am doing one. I'm not doing many this year because the next year, but I am doing one, maybe not that far. Uh, the Mohegan sun in Connecticut. Oh yeah. That's not too far from here. Yeah, so uh, you should come on down then. I'm doing one day. Let's see. I think I have it here. Uh, Yeah, let me bring it up here. Uh, So it's the Warren Seekers of the Supernatural Phantasm Con. That's a mouthful. (laughs) Yes. At the Saturday, October 28th. It starts at like 10 a.m. I think it goes to like 6 or 7 or something. No, it goes later. It goes, wait, to 8. goes to 8. Courtney, I can't go. Why not? Because that is the day we're running our horror convention. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, no, that's right. We talked about this. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, that is too bad because I would have definitely come down. Damn it. But, Damn uh, it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, we, we threw our hat in the ring with a horror convention. And uh, we're, so far, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I wish you the best of luck, and maybe maybe we can find a way to swing coming down there next year. That yeah, would be that would be great. Yeah, we we uh, we put it together with what's the what's the name of your show? Uh, Hometown haunts and hops. <laughs> so uh, I guess that's good. there's going to be beer there then. Yeah, so uh, hometown so because it goes perfectly with your beard. So that's yeah, good. exactly. Um, <laughs> hometown because we're in Plymouth, America's hometown. Oh and, yeah, uh, it's going to be at the Mayflower Brewery. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, probably not this year, but we're going to try to have an exclusive beer release and maybe next year. And nice. um, it's really coming together and it looks like a lot of fun. And um, I wouldn't know where to find this and, and such, but I know that somebody did a micro brew with uh, <laughs> with my character from the burbs on it. Oh, really? <laughs> It actually oh. exists. I think it was out in the Cal in California. Somebody did it. So you never know. Maybe you could you could find that. I'm gonna have to look for that, man. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I, I'm not even sure where to find it. But I, I was. I thought it was. I think I even knew who the artist who did it. It was just absolutely hilarious that yeah. the, 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 that the character was on a beer. I just thought that was on a beer label. I just thought that was too cool. I I love some of the beer labels, and I hate to say that I shop by label. But uh, I, it was like three years ago. I can still tell you my favorite. It's from a brewery called Foulmouth, and the can was red and yellow and looked very like old communist Russia artwork. And it had shirtless Putin with a keytar, and was called communist communist synthesizer. Wow! They went all in on that. Yeah, one, I'm like that is fantastic. How was the beer? Beer was solid. Yeah, all right. It was, uh, it was right. actually. Uh, you know, pleasantly surprised. It had been very strong, like vodka. <laughs> no, no, I think it was an IPA. Um, if memory serves, it was good. But um, yeah, so we hopefully we can uh, get you up here. Yeah, man. That. Maybe next year we can come out. Maybe get the band out there. Figure out to do something fun. That would yeah, be awesome. we we have uh, quite a music um, uh, scene around here. We have performing arts centers and bars with little stages yeah, in the back it's great figure out a way we can do it we can yeah. somehow tie it all together or something and make it happen cool um so wow oh my god time just flew um so i did want to ask you about one thing that i was kind of i didn't do a lot of research because we've talked before but i did see that you played on stage with fish yes how it's did that come story 
Okay. It's a story, but I, I'll, I'll be happy to I, tell. I this. like stories. Yeah. So how this all began was uh, before Can't Buy Me Love came out, a friend of mine got married in Nova Scotia, and then I decided to hitchhike to Michigan to meet this girl. <laughs> and uh, I figured that'd be the, probably the last time I'd be able to do something like that and get away with it. Yeah. And on the second day. When was this? This was like back in the early 80s, right? 80s. Oh, okay. All right. I'm like hitchhiking. I'm like, like ooh, hitchhikes. Okay. That right. Makes exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the second day, um, I got picked up by Mike Gordon, the bass player from Fish. No kidding. Before they were Fish. Yeah. Doing their gig at Nectar's, you know, in Burlington, which is a great music town, by the way. Yeah. That's kind of where the jam band thing lives still to this day. And uh, he had finding me a place to stay that night and we hit it off and then we kept in touch. The next time they're coming to L.A. opening for Santana, and the next thing you know, they're doing their own thing and they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So they had a friend who was like this guy who pranked was a master prankster who co- constantly was pranking them. And the guy was deathly afraid of Malachi. So they kept trying to f- trying to figure out a way to pull <laughs> off a prank. This conversation yeah. went on for years, but nothing was really like, ah, it's too much hassle, blah, blah, blah. So finally they came up with something that was really easy to do. It was in, they were doing a gig in Vegas. So it wasn't far to fly me in and they were going to throw a party on, in the penthouse and then take, get this guy high on mushrooms, take him down and play some slots and whatever, come back. And it's all dark and children of the corn's playing. So all I got to do is hang out in another room, right, for a while. So it's yeah. just the four dudes in the band. They all peel off one by one, last one being Trey, who's a redhead. I go, He goes in the room where I am. I put his jacket on. I come and I sit next to this guy. And they have girls in the background at this point singing the theme. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to create this scene, right, because he's, you know, he's high anyway. Yeah. And he looks over, and he's terrified. But he doesn't scream or anything, so they don't think – He's, t- you know, they don't think it paid either. And I'm like, dude, this guy was a scared, was so scared because he gets up like he goes like, hey, and he gets up like really slow. Basically, he's having a bad trip and maybe he can get out of this. Right. Yeah. So he goes into one of the bedrooms and they go to him and he can't utter a syllable for 45 minutes. Wow. He's just like, <laughs> and that's they realize they really got it. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. So the next day I see the dude and he's cool and he he's happy and it's the greatest prank ever. And the band loves me. And they're like, whatever you want. I said, how about I go up and just jam a song with you guys? And they're like, done. So I'm like, awesome. So uh, Larry and Lester from Primus are also there. So they had another guitar oh, player, another bass yeah. player. So now what am I going to do? So I just came in and played some percussion. Yeah. And it was in front of like 8,000 people and it was like a rock star moment. And it's That's like, awesome. you know, a story in their blog and all that stuff. So I'm, yeah. in, I'm in the fish, you know, the fish, the fish story. And, uh, you know, those guys are sure great. And uh, it's been amazing to see how far they've come. That's outstanding. That's a great story. Fantastic. I'm yeah, I got to get a, I got to get a fish song into the act so I can tell the story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So the album is out on October second. Where can our listeners go to check it out? Yeah. The only way to get it is to go to fakefangrecords.com. You can hear the record three times, and if you after that, if you like it, you can pick it up digitally, or you can pick up a limited CD. Uh, there's going to be a limited CD run, also, and even more limited will be signed by me uh, availability. Um, we just decided we're going to do a single because it's going to be another good PR blitz. Yeah. So we're going to put a single out probably next week, maybe the week after that. And you can go listen to that for free. And if you like it, you can pre-order the record and you'll get a CD signed actually to you. How about oh, that? Oh, that's cool. 
So, so just to try to get some pre-order stuff happening. So, um, but yeah, I really like the idea of cutting out the Spotify's and the iTunes and all this stuff. Because it's really never paid off for me much before. So I'd rather just do it through a label who's willing to invest in me. And but don't they pay you like? 12 tenths of a cent yeah. every time someone yeah. listens yeah. to your song no it's just it's just terrible <laughs> so this is just going to cut the middleman out yeah. and it's nice to have a label supporting me and and i'll be able to get records for them for wholesale that i can take out and we tour and oh, stuff nice. like that and we definitely plan on touring uh, is, uh you know doing little limited runs like hit the west coast for 10 days hit the midwest for 10 days kind of deal yeah. throughout the year and also it's like i said tying that into the con stuff going on too and just try to get out there and meet people and play some tunes. And um, out here in Savannah, you know, I got a band now, the Courtney Gaines Group, which you can find on Facebook. That's the best way to find out where we're going to be playing. And uh, we've been, we've been, uh, you know, weekend warring now for about nine months. And it's been a great way for me to get my chops together and and work the act and also be able to pay my guys. Yep. Just a three-piece band. On this band, I play bass and sing. Last band, I played guitar and sing. I wanted a better guitar player. Um, but it's also just really got me. I've had to, I've had to, you know, play three sets of three 45 minute sets a night, you know? Oh, wow. And now, nice. and now nice. I started to do some solo gigs doing like two sets a night. And it's just, it's just really gotten me to get my act together. And, and so that when we hit the road, I'm going to be ready. That's been the nice. plan the whole way. Yeah. And I'm feeling good about what we're doing. I've, and if, like I said, if you go on there, you know, there's clips of the band playing and, you know, uh, I know the actor bar for music isn't too high. Hopefully it will exceed that bar and you'll see that we're, <laughs> we're taking this shit seriously and coming yeah. to, coming to rock nice oh doing one other gig that i should mention um uh this 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 uh haunted house in north carolina called the haunted pyramids for two dates uh the 14th and 15th the band's playing there's like a whole metal music festival we're gonna be the only non-metal band there so we need oh, to cool. do two shows it's gonna be fun in the woods the whole nine yards so I, I think it's gonna be a pretty big showing and i think it's i think again i think people are gonna be like can this dude play or is this going to be a train wreck? And uh, hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll exceed their expectations, but I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be fun. So that's in October 14th to 15th. Uh, uh, and, and you can also go do the haunted house or whatever, if you want. So yeah. it's going to be a blast. Nice. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for coming back on the show. You're always welcome. Um, and hopefully we can uh, get it sorted out so we can get you up to, you know, Plymouth uh, next year. Yeah, so. man, that would be great. And it's good seeing you. And thanks for having me on yeah. again. And, uh, uh, good to share how far it's come, you know, with the music in the last two years. So I'm feeling yeah, yeah. Good. And we'll have to get together two years from now and compare beards again. There you go. <laughs> I think if you keep going, I think that I'll never be able to catch you up, my friend. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so for our listeners, uh, we will see you guys again uh, next week. And uh, go go grow out your beards. I guess. I guess that's the that's right. The Become part of today. the beard clan here. Yeah, it's trendy. <laughs> <laughs> And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.